Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Well, I've got a good one planned for you today. Two returning guests, Tim Hudak, CEO of Aria, is going to be joining me, and Mike Chesahoski, he is the Executive Vice President from CBRE. He'll be joining me a little uh, later in the studio, and um, always great to have these guys uh, uh, come on and give us their input. Lots going on in the market, but not quite what everybody thinks, so um, a little bit more of a kind of, a, I would say, a government involvement, a little bit more commercial involvement. Uh, you know, properties you know, or, or developments being canceled. What's the real reason? Mike's going to weigh in on that for me. Uh, of course, we've got the legalization of marijuana coming up real shortly. And what is that impact going to be for landlords? And I want to talk about that for, you know, a minute or two. By the way, I want to thank everybody for showing up at the Simple Seminar on Thursday. Amazing turnout. And if you have not booked your your personal um, investor meeting with me, you can do it. Go to thesimpleinvestor.com and my staff will get your appointment all set up. And uh, that's where you get to sit down with me and we talk about your goals as being uh, a real estate investor and what we can do to help or just some great information. So uh, make sure you go to thesimpleinvestor.com to get that done. Now, um, let's talk about what's uh, happening in the market. So. Um, a lot of people are wondering about developments and we're we're seeing you know a lot of pushback people are trying to fight some of the neighborhoods so you know not everybody wants to have it in their own backyard and yet we talk about affordability and so this is making it tougher and tougher uh brad uh, brad lamb was uh, doing a, a development and you know there are people fighting him tooth and nail on it used to be the bread company there and he's going to be putting up a uh, 19-story condo over on mccall and lots of people trying to fight on it and you know it's interesting because again you know they're the, probably the same people that are saying you know but my kids can't find a place to live but we don't want it in our backyard they need to move to somebody else's backyard so what's it going to be folks you know uh, the truth is is that we just don't have any more land you know real estate can always go up but the truth is is that there's no more land so we either redevelop and we you know take down old buildings build something up yes i understand we want to keep character you know obviously in this fine city but at the same time at what point do we have to give up character or are people stuck commuting or of course we look at the government and they've got to ease the allowance on let's say letting some people put the basement apartments legalize things make things a little bit easier for people um, again this is one of the big things um, now I want to talk about the upcoming election of course you know what uh, lots of people are weighing in on things and five issues identified uh, transportation housing and planning toronto's economy uh policing and public safety and how government is run so you know talking about the housing aspect of things and it's interesting because you know is there really only two uh two uh horses in this race um mr tory uh our current uh mayor of course uh i think he's doing a, a good job i just you know I, I'm, I'm questioning on what we're doing as far as some of the housing and hopefully uh, you know we can pick up the pace a little there and then of course there is the other candidate and one of the other things that um, people are looking at is the fact that you know it seems that um, women are more concerned about housing than men 
And I found that interesting. Um, you know, I guess uh, <laughs> I guess most men don't really have a, a preference on it, but of course, um, that's one of the things that they said in this uh, in this latest report. And again, a little surprised about that. And of course, the younger voters' big concern about being able to get something affordable. And uh, so I think uh, I think that we all have to also realize that. You know, yes, the mayor of Toronto can do some things, but affordability may we may have to push that out to the premier and maybe to a, a federal uh, approach to it because I think that we're going to struggle a little with the stress test, foreign buyers, um, interest rates uh, going up, and the real question is is that are we seeing the prices going up or down? Well. In the month of September, it actually was down overall by 1% from the year before. And that is, uh, that's, that's kind of an odd thing because, you know, again, the market in September last year was not great. We saw, we'd seen kind of a big fall off out of the spring market. So we're going to keep our eyes on that because the stats will continue to, I think, adjust as we go along. But hottest market right now is in Montreal. So if you're thinking of buying, you might have missed the boat. Uh, one of the things that uh, we're, we're pretty certain is that they're not going to do the knee-jerk reaction and, th and put in the foreign buyer tax because right now they're getting a resurgence in Montreal. And it's been, it's been years in coming. And so they're starting to see some decent numbers uh, being passed through. Um, you know, they're not seeing crazy. Um, in in the, mar uh, the Montreal market, Five to eight percent is very much like our twenty percent, and so that's right now what they're experiencing. So it's not it's not astronomical. It's not crazy. It's not like the forty percent that we actually saw in a couple of the outer markets of the GTA. So five to eight percent, they consider that to be exceptionally strong. Condominium market is going up by about four percent. So ahead of Toronto and Vancouver at this point, and uh, so we're just, we're gonna have to keep our eyes on that marketplace because again, a lot of things have an influence not just in the province of Ontario, but right across Canada. And the rippling effect can happen if we see Vancouver and Toronto struggle more, uh, it may affect some of the other provinces. So we'll wait and see what happens there. Um, how about the idea of the mortgage rate hikes? You know, uh, we're watching we're watching stock market actually kind of do a little fluctuation this week. I don't know if many of you are invested strongly in it, but I'm pretty sure some of you got a bit of a gut ache uh, sitting around Wednesday. And so one of the things that uh, we've got to take a look at is you know, where are we going to see the mortgage rate hikes? You know, uh, leaning on some of the economists, uh, Benjamin Tall um, from CB, uh, sorry, from um, uh, CIBC World Markets, uh, we've had him on uh, several times here on the show, and he's a wonderful guest. And one of the things that he had uh, pretty much forecasted was that we would see a couple of raises, but he's actually thinking that perhaps it's going to plateau in around 2019. And depending on the world's market, we could actually see it fall backwards. So, Again, I would say that, you know, mortgage rate hike, yeah, it could be, but we're going to have to wait and see what the Bank of Canada reacts to the latest information that's coming through and the fluctuation in the stock markets. Maybe, just maybe, they might turn around and put the brakes on, on a few things. Um, you know, one of the things that we know is that, uh, you know, we see cancellations uh, coming in from some of these developers. Keep in mind, of course, uh, you, you do get your deposits back, but you might have lost some market time. So this is why, you know, one of the conversations I have with a lot of people is either make sure you go with a builder that uh, completes, uh, you know, or has completed a lot of projects, or perhaps you take a look at a resale. 
So joining me uh, is a guest that I've had on numerous times. You hear him all the time right here on News Talk 1010. It's uh, Tim Hudak. And Tim, thanks so much for joining me. Always a pleasure, Todd. You know, just for clarity, of course, I will make sure everybody knows that you are the CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association. And all, and, and like I said, always a pleasure having you on. And I know people can tune into your show on Sundays, of course. Uh, tomorrow, what time's your show again, Tim? Between 5 and 6 p.m. on News Talk 1010 and across the Bell Talk Radio Network, my friend. Excellent. Well, you know what? I know, I know everybody's excited whenever they listen to you. So, you know, one of the reasons why I love bringing you on, though, is because we have kind of a just real conversations and when we talk about what's going on in the real estate market you know there's a lot of things that have been kind of politicized and one of them of course is uh, looking at the um, the repeal on the Green Energy Act and you know I think you and I might have talked about this uh, you know a little while ago when they were looking at putting the onus on home ownership and them having to you know be mandated into doing certain things and how about I'll let you um, you take it from here because, you know, you, you actually were quite happy with the, this result. Yeah, well, a bit of background here. So the previous uh, Liberal government, under both Dalton McGinty and then Kathleen Wynne, uh, had an idea, which I think at its heart, you know, was, was to help improve the environment. But it, like a lot of things in politics and life, you think of the big idea at Queen's Park, it just does not make sense on the street. So the idea was to force a mandatory energy audit any time that you wanted to list a home. The goal, I guess, was to get better information for a potential buyer. But, but here's the problem. The energy auditors uh, are not trained. They're not like realtors. There's no you know, enforcement mechanism if they rip somebody off or they don't keep up with their education. And secondly, it would really put potential sellers in jeopardy. Let me give you an example. Say there's a recent widow and she and her husband had paid off the mortgage. She was counting on the value of her property for her retirement. She's going to sell the home. She gets a mandatory energy audit before she can sell. Some shady operator says, hey, you know, if you kick a little money my way, my cousin's down the street and he'll fix it up cheap so she can get scammed that way. And secondly, you know, the rich guy comes in. He goes to buy the house. He says, I'm going to knock it down 20 grand because your energy report. He never bothers putting the money into house improvements. She's short 20000 and the environment is no better off. So we fought the program, and I'm pleased to say the current government has uh, repealed the legislation that enabled that program. You know, and, and I think that's a real positive. And one of the other problems I think that we were facing also, Tim, and, you know, this was definitely when we saw all the multiple offers in 2016 and 2017, was the fact that a lot of people, you know, the idea of knocking a house down, it didn't make sense to have an energy audit on a, you know, let's say a, a 50-year-old bungalow that was going to get knocked down and they're going to put up a brand new home, which would have had the high energy efficiencies anyways. So sure. I, I think the determination, you know, it would have been kind of more of an arbitrary thing and and pretty much if they mandate you know it's got to be a blanket clause not just unless you know the house is being torn down well what is well, you know when you take a look at schedules of tearing down a house it can take months and years before something actually happens so um you know i think i think it's a real positive and i think you know some of the sellers can you know kind of breathe a sigh of relief for a little while um and you know i and, and i'm glad that you know as the ceo you've you i know you did have a voice in this you were you were fighting yeah, it for the benefit of of all realtors, uh, but more importantly, the public. Yeah, it's right. I mean, it's, it's one of my jobs as CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association is on the advocacy side. I certainly have a lot of um, you know friends in all parties at Queen's Park, but it was really the realtor leaders that we brought in, and we sat them down with the cabinet ministers uh, and other MPPs. We said, look, this is how it's going to impact on the street. You just gave a great example, Todd, about a teardown. 
there are better ways to do home energy improvements in households. Our realtors can play a big role on that. And we should really focus on older homes where you lose a lot of uh, heat or you use too much uh, lighting, for example. Let's focus on where the problems are and do it in a positive way. You know, use a carrot as opposed to beating everybody with a one-size-fits-all stick. <laughs> well put. Um, Tim, listen, we're going to go to a quick break, but if you don't mind staying with us, uh, you know, I've got lots to talk to you, uh, obviously, about some of the new things that are coming out. And so, folks, uh, Tim Hudak will stay with me, and we'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest right now is Tim Hudak. He is the CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association. And of course, you can catch his show here tomorrow at 5 p.m. And uh, Tim, just before the break, you and I were just talking about, you know, one of the one of the positives that have just you know, been announced to everybody that uh, the repeal of the Green Energy Act for home ownership, you know, making people, you know, meet certain requirement, obviously, uh, before selling. Uh, lots going on, though, in, in the in the actual world of real estate. One of the things that I think the the REBA Act is taking a look at, you know, coming down on is the unlicensed real estate consultants. And, you know, there was some news about that, you know, they're posing some significant risks to home buyers and sellers. And uh, so what's your take on that? Yeah, this is a, a, a real uh, risk to potential home buyers and sellers. These sort of shady operators that call themselves real estate consultants. And, Todd, they're particularly preying on uh, the Chinese-Canadian and Korean-Canadian community. You know, the laws back in the old countries they came from may not be as the standard they are in Canada, so they take advantage of new Canadians. You know, you know this basically as your audience does, right? If you want to practice a profession in Ontario, you want to be an architect or an accountant or a lawyer, there are certain mandated educational requirements, same as a realtor. And also, if you break the rules, you behave unethically, you take advantage of somebody, there are consequences, disciplinary panels. You can be fined or lose your license across professions. Those are the rules we have. So it's against the law for somebody to practice as a realtor without actually going through the school and being registered and regulated by RICO. These folks are breaking the law and they're taking advantage of people. One of the big things, of course, uh, you've you've established a bit of a mandate is keep the dream alive. And, um, you know, I've, I've read up on it and I'm, I'm kind of in agreement, but there's a few things I, I, I do want to talk to you about. Can you enlighten our listeners, uh, you know, really what this is? Yeah, so we've launched the campaign called Keep the Dream Alive, and your listeners can go to it at keepthedreamalive.ca. It talks about the struggle that families are facing every day. I mean, we've all got somebody in our family or maybe somebody listening right now that, you know, she went to school, she got her degree, she got a good job, and now wants to move out of mom and dad's basement to a place of her own, but can't find a place to that she can afford. So we're calling on the provincial government under Doug Ford to help make that dream stay alive. And that website, keepthedreamalive.ca, lets you send a message directly to your MPP through email or social media. Tim, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. And of course, you know, I'm just going to put my, be a little bit of a devil's advocate here. You know, a lot of it, of course, um, is centered around young Ontarians. Okay. This is one of the things that, you know, we're focusing on. We're focusing on a little bit of the, the millennial group that are trying to get into their first home. You know, a couple notes that, you know, of course, they've gone to school. You know, they are getting good jobs. Um, I'm going to have to, show, uh, you know, I have to smile when you say they're saving carefully. <laughs> uh, I think bank mom and dad help a lot of them. But, um, 
one of the things my question is because you know over over about the last 24 months we've heard a lot of people saying they want to see the price of the market go down in other words they think that the inflated real estate values are too high and they are constantly talking about actually you know they'd like to see uh, you know a 30% adjustment do you agree or disagree and, and and I want to give you the kind of the floor on this one but you know, we've got people that have owned homes for 20, 30, 40 years. Uh, as you had alluded to, you know, the, the older couple, they'd, they'd, you know, bought their house years ago, saved up, paid it off, did all the work, and now they've got this fabulous asset um, that they can either, you know, sell, retire on, use the equity, maybe pass it on to their children. Is the idea of, of a mandate like keep the dream alive, when we talk about affordability, do we not have to caution, you know, I, I guess the powers to be not to reduce the values of real estate, but to be able to inter- introduce a different product that allows people to have home ownership or allow, you know, new product to come into the market so that we don't artificially force a price down? Yeah, that's an excellent question. The answer to that is absolutely yes. You want to make sure that the value of homes, which is the, the vast deposit for the middle class of, of their life savings, right? They're counting on that not only to raise their families and establish themselves, but in their retirement. That's why you need to have a proper balance between making sure that asset uh, is preserved and continues to grow while letting first-time buyers get into the market. So how do you do that? Well, number one request of Premier Ford is to increase housing supply, particularly around starter homes. You know, whether that's condos, what they call the missing middle of mid-rises, or semi-detached homes, help first-time buyers get in the market. Or if they buy an existing home, a resale, that helps a move-up family move higher into the marketplace. We also suggest tax breaks. As you know, and you've talked about it time and time again, Todd, that land transfer tax is really punishing for somebody who simply wants to get the keys to a home, especially in Toronto. Now, you can't eliminate that across the board. That's just as not in the Treasury. But we do ask Premier Ford through Keep the Dream Alive to give first-time homeowners a break on that land transfer tax. You know, Tim, one of the, one of the things I didn't see addressed here, and, and, and sorry, I am going to throw this out there because I'm just kind of curious. You know, we, we've implemented, obviously, the, you know, stress test, and, and this was done federally. And is there any way the province can get involved and providing they get the right people qualifying or perhaps security, allowing people to qualify at post rate as opposed to the extra 2%? So because what we did was we saw a lot of affordability got, it got eaten up very quickly. And if, if they can turn around and mandate certain things about the qualification, that perhaps this will allow people to get more back into the market, perhaps in a better place? Yeah, I think the solution here is to fix a problem at its core, and that's the national government. I actually was at a panel uh, this past uh, Friday uh, of the Federal Finance Committee saying, look, we understand why the stress test is put into place. And as you know, Todd, there was more on top of that, like making mortgages harder to get, shorter amortization periods, which make mortgages more expensive. Basically, I said the pendulum swung too far. We get it, you wanted to cool the market, but like ease off now because it's really impacting on people's ability to get in. So I'd rather fix it at the federal level. To answer your question more directly, the, the province does not regulate the banks. They do regulate the credit unions. And I will note that the province of Ontario has not forced the credit unions to impose a stress test. They can do whatever they want to meet provincial guidelines that does not include a stress test.
Yeah. Well, I think, I think, you know, the, the idea of keep the dream alive, I think, I think it's a very positive step. Um, I really do. Again, one of the things is that I think that we have to be very cautious with what we do to real estate values, because, you know, we've got this mass group of, of, of baby boomers that are looking at retirement. And in fact, some of them even put the brakes on in the last 24 months about retiring because they feel that they've lost some of their asset value and they were kind of counting on it. So, you know, again, there's kind of that, as you said, there's that teeter-totter balancing act that we have to focus on that got to keep it affordable for the new buyers, but we definitely have to keep it affordable for the people that are going to be leaving the properties. Yeah, exactly. That's why our focus is on helping first-time buyers get into the market. The reality here is that housing prices have gone up faster than incomes have risen. So we'd like to see a way to make sure people can catch up, but we need to preserve and see that asset value increase for those that have invested. You know, the bottom line here we got to think about, and, and this was shocking when I looked at the statistics, for Canada's entire existence, from the time that John A. Macdonald won his first election in 1867, homeownership rates have increased. It's been a great part of the Canadian story that each generation had a better shot at owning a place than the one before it. Todd, for the first time ever these last couple of years, it's gone downhill. It's never happened before. And it's happened in a period of economic expansion and relatively low mortgage rates. Something's gone wrong. Yeah, definitely. Well, listen, Tim, I, I appreciate you coming on the show today. Always great to have your pulse on uh, what's going on in real estate. Uh, what can our listeners expect uh, tomorrow on your show? Oh, you got me off guard. I have not prepared it yet. I got to talk probably, this, you know, these rumors about we can't get into the States if you work for a marijuana company or you invested in it. I think that's bull. I'm going to call that out. Otherwise, I'm still thinking about ideas. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, Tim, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a great weekend. Great. Thanks so much. Folks, that was Tim Hudak, CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association. And when we come back, I've got Mike Chesahoski joining me from CBRE. So stay with me. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back. Um, you know, it's great having Tim Hudak uh, on the show, and especially because he also is a uh, host here at News Talk 1010. But more importantly, um, he's probably one of the most active people I have seen in uh, in Aria's past. You know, it's amazing. He is all over the province and all over Canada, doing his research, you know, having the meetings, getting to know what's going on in the marketplace. You know, I do wish him good luck with the idea of trying to get the government to help out with first-time uh, home buyers. But, you know, one of the biggest problems, of course, is inventory. And as we continue on, you know, there's uh, there's a guest that I've got joining me now in the studio. He's been here quite a few times. You'll remember the name, Mike Chesahoski. He is the executive vice president at CBRE, the biggest commercial real estate company in the world. And Mike, great to have you back on the show. Thank you very much for having me back. You know, always a pleasure having you here because, you know, when you and I get to have a conversation, uh, you are, I mean, you are living and breathing what's going on in the development world, the commercial world, you know what's going on. And a lot of times, you know, I think that most people, when they talk about, you know, new apartments or new condominiums being built, they don't realize that that's actually got more of a commercial element to it in the very beginning. You know, it's normally, you know, commercial properties that get redeveloped, rezoned, and and massive process to it. Uh, lots of topics for us to talk about today. And uh, hopefully you'll be able to uh, enlighten us on quite a few of them. Uh, first and foremost, how about, um, how was the summer? How, uh, you know, did you, did you see the market drop off at all or was it pretty consistent? It was consistent. It was busy all through the summer. It didn't flinch at all. Uh, certainly on the single family home side, on the new fam uh, single family home, it's been quiet since yeah. last April. It is picking up, but the inventory levels really never increased. But 
the condo market didn't even flinch. Didn't, yeah. It just kept going up. Yeah. Now, we, we've had a couple of cancellations, though. I, I, I'm pretty sure you saw the headlines in the news um, up in Vaughan. You know, about 1,100 units. Not uh, far from the last can- cancellation. Yeah, I remember that. And yeah. so um, how, about we, how about we start there? Why are we seeing these cancellations? I mean, you know, there's always, people are a little suspect because, you know, at one minute, uh, you know, these units were selling, let's say, at $500 a square foot. Today, if you launched this same program, it would have been $700 a square foot. Is this, is this, you know, some of the reasoning maybe behind some of these developers kind of pulling back saying, hey, listen, you know what, our costs are up, so we should be able to get the price up? Or, you know, is there other reasons that, you know, as the listening public, we don't know? Um, I believe the listening public should be careful on who they're buying from. And uh, looking at the track record that developer has for building high-rise, because unlike low-rise, the equity required to build a high-rise is much greater for the banks. Sure. So the, the, the developments get canceled for multiple reasons. Costs have gone up extremely. Yeah. So they could have sold stuff too early at prices they can't afford to build them at. Yeah. Uh, there could be delays in approvals. So some of these projects get you know, launched before the, the final approval is done. Yep. And greed. If you can get another hundred dollars or hundred and fifty dollars a square foot, that adds up on you yeah. know half a million square feet. That's a lot of money. Yeah. So it could be multiple reasons, and some of the smaller developers are having a hard time getting bank financing to build the projects. They're they're very complicated. Yeah. See, and 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 that's part of part of the I, I guess the understanding of your world and what's going on because, you know, we've seen you know over the last I'd say eighteen months we've seen more cancellations in the last eighteen months than we did for quite a few years, you know, and I don't know if it was just you know everybody understood the process a little bit better or if people were rushing to market like you know jumping the gun, and as you said you know looking at the completion of some of these some of these builders I think that that's really important that if you're going to select somebody make sure that you know maybe they just finished and people have just occupied a building i almost i almost want to say if you see them you know closing the door on their last development and everybody's now moved in and they're starting another one perhaps that's the guy you go with because you know he can you can go to completion you certainly don't want to be there first (laughs) you know this is one case where you don't want to be there first right because the complications of the the high-rise construction one little mistake could be tens of millions of dollars yeah. And the banks know that, so they're that much more careful. You know, just because they have a pretty brochure and a nice sales center yep. doesn't mean they can build high-rise. So, question for you then, um, and and just to kind of you know deviate for a second, when we talk about financing, you know, obviously the stress test was you know put into place for residential buyers, and so your individual homeowners, and. Is there a stress test for construction? So, you know, how how do people vet or how do the banks vet a, a builder, you know, to be able to understand, you know, are they a good risk? And, you know, I, I know that we've heard, you know, through the news over the years, you know, different, you know, foreign banks giving money, you know, you know, different REITs and things coming in to, to, to finance some construction. But is there is there a stress test that are put on some of these builders? From our traditional banks. The right. big the big banks have their clients, and I've had blanks of banks tell me that if you're not an existing client, we're not interested, because if you don't have a track record, we don't want to take the risk. Right. There's always money around. It depends on what you want to pay for it. Uh-huh. So similar to a residential mortgage, sure. if you have the money, if you have the equity, you'll find a lender to give it to you. Yep. But maybe it'll be three points more. Ah, uh, okay. 
Okay, and in the cost of this construction, I mean, you know, we're we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars, so that adds up, you know, to a big number. The construction costs have increased probably around thirty percent in the last two to three years. Wow. Okay. Um, you know, lot, uh, as I said, there's lots for you and I to talk about because, um, you know, taking a look and, and I think uh, because I, I'm fortunate to have you here in the studio today and, and you're going to stay, you know, through the next break with me, uh, you know, I want to, I want to go after the government a little, uh, you know, shortly, but let's talk about, um, let's talk about some of the other things that are going on as far as uh, some building being done in Vancouver, um, you know, downtown Vancouver, I mean, huge, huge amount of, you know, head offices being built, you know, you've got a lot of, you've got the uh, Canadian pension plan going in there and everything else. Um, are you seeing, are you seeing the big developers coming after, going after some of the big commercial properties now? Are we seeing more of it or is it just tougher and tougher so th there's more noise made around them? Our office market is tremendously active, especially in Vancouver and Toronto. Uh, interest rates probably, depending on how, uh, sorry, vacancy rates are probably between two and four percent depending on how you look at that vacancy. So it's tremendously tight today. So a lot of the bigger users have very little choice. We're seeing some new construction coming on. That's gonna help a little bit, but the space is getting filled up very quickly. So our office market is a good sign of the economy. It's very strong. Yeah, because I mean, we're hearing things like, you know, Microsoft, Uber, you know, a lot of these companies are looking at building, you know, new head offices. And, you know, they're, they're not talking about five or 10,000 square feet. No. You know, we're talking hundreds of thousands of square feet. Um, you know, how is it that, I mean, are, are they buying the land? Are they leasing the land? Are we, are we, because is, is there land available or are they buying old buildings and knocking them down? Um, more and more today, we're knocking down buildings. Right. So these are buildings that are 40, 50, 60 years old, don't have any life left to them. Right. And the land is worth more than the building itself. Yeah. These users are generally uh, leasing. They want the flexibility to increase, decrease uh, space. And we're seeing the high tech uh, sector since Trump got in. Right. Really look at Canada strongly for all the new office space and the growth. Because we're welcoming here. We want the immigrants. Right. You know, and a lot of these companies look at us as friendly. Right. And that is really helping, especially in Toronto, the King West, Queen West areas and the high tech sector has taken off there. Yeah. So are we are we, you know, looking at the next five, ten years as major growth in those areas? I mean, you know, obviously we're hoping that this also is going to increase employment as well. Obviously, when you see big head office come through, you know, depending if they're, you know, gathering, you know, from outer markets or bringing people in. Um, are, are, you know, knowing what you know, are we seeing good solid growth over the next five to ten years? Yes, uh, definitely. And pension funds and the large private developers do not build buildings unless they know they can fill them. And right. they're confident they can today. Right. Um, one of the things you and I talked about uh, when Stollery's first sold, you know, there's the idea that we're going to see a really big building. Um, buildings like that, are they going to continue to progress or are we seeing them get stalled out at the, at the city level and the municipal level? Well, uh, the government portion of it is always difficult. But I think developers like Misrahi that have the capability, if it makes sense economically, they'll go ahead with it. But certainly up to now, it has not been easy on the approval basis. And it's getting worse. It's not getting better. We'll see if the province does what they say to, to streamline them some things. <laughs> uh, we're hoping. Yep. 
but we'll wait and see if they do it. Okay. Um, I'm going to have you hold that thought because uh, I do want to talk to you about the province. I want to talk about the new government. I want to talk about what uh, what kind of obstacles are out there for people uh, when they're trying to develop. Uh, folks, if you're just tuning in now, I've got Mike Chesahoski with me. He is the Executive Vice President at CBRE, and when we come back, we've got more. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest right now in the studio is Mike Chesahoski, and he is the Executive Vice President at CBRE, and um, he's an occurring uh, guest here. And uh, Mike, always a pleasure having you. And just before we were talking about, you know, kind of the space that we're, we're seeing some tech companies are starting to grow a little, you know, we're seeing Vancouver, Toronto as being a hotspot. Um, another hotspot, Montreal. Uh, you know, we know from a residential standpoint, it is the new, the new hotspot for Canada. Of course, they have not implemented a foreign buyer tax yet. Um, not sure if they're going to. I, I, you know, I think they're going to let their market run up for a little while before they do it. What do you think? I think it's a long time coming. Yep. So I don't think they'll put in a foreign buyer's tax. And there is rumors that Ontario will remove ours or at least decrease it. There's no reason for it. Okay, so I, I, I want to get back to that in a second. I just wanted to, uh, just to talk about CBRE for a second. Of course, um, you know, not all our listeners would know this, but your, your company is actually the biggest commercial industrial realtor in the world. Yes. And uh, I understand a new CEO uh, is coming in. Yes, uh, Werner Dietl, right? uh, who was uh, from ground up, brought up in the CB network in Canada, Started in the north office in the resource department, uh, went on to industrial sales. Probably one of the more successful industrial salespeople across the country. Uh, has been managing our three Toronto offices for the last few years and is stepping up and taking over as president at the end of the year. Wow, excellent. And um, so when, when that changes, a lot going on? Like, is there change? I mean, CBRE seems just to be growing. You know, uh, you guys have a well-oiled machine at this point. It is. It's very well run. Compared to when I started 25 years ago, it's huge. Right. Uh, we're 100,000 employees in 70 countries. Wow. And really, the, the bulk of the business is that corporate worldwide company that needs a real estate department that they can't house themselves. Yeah. So the IBMs of the world and the banks and a number of the big facilities uh, users uh, need us to take care of their space across the world. Yeah, excellent. Um, so uh, lots to talk about uh, as well in the, the new provincial government, first and foremost. Um, you know, we've got the Conservatives back into power. Um, you and I have obviously had our our comments about the previous government, uh, some of the things that were implemented. Um, I do want to talk about the foreign buyer tax in a second, but um, what do you see being the change or what has been promised to be a major change in real estate and development from the new provincial government? Red tape. So, uh, you know, there was an article, I don't know if people saw it, it was put out by uh, one of the fund managers, King Set, about the amount of taxes paid per condo and per house. And yes. it's tremendous. So let's let's talk about that because you know um, just and, and and I want clarity here because if there's anybody that knows the numbers, it's you. But when we talk about the development of condominiums, for example, if you talk about a per door cost, development charges, taxes, everything that gets that gets loaded onto a builder today, roughly, what is that range sitting at? Two hundred thousand dollars. Two hundred thousand per door for a condominium. Taxes that go nowhere except the pockets of the municipality, the region, the province. Right. That's pure tax off the top. 
Wow. And and if we take a look at the current cost, um, I mean, we've been ra- kind of running at about $800 a square foot for brand new development. I mm-hmm. think that's what most of the market is achieving. You know, you take your basic 600 square foot unit, you know, 200,000, I mean, you're you're 40% of or, or, you know, 35% of the actual, you know, value of the property is going out that way. Uh, between that and construction costs, the numbers are getting very thin. Right. That's why you see some of these projects getting canceled because they get too thin for the banks to finance them. Right. Okay. Um, so back to the government for a second. Um, you know, one of the things that you and I have talked about, obviously, is an inventory issue. And a lot of times people don't understand the level of of what is actually required you know it was fun, kind of funny because during during the provincial election one of the things i kept noting was the fact that you know people were throwing out and 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 the new government never did they they never kind of threw that into the fray but a, a couple of the candidates out there were saying that oh we're going to introduce you know sixty thousand units that are affordable housing over the next 10 years and i think you and i would just scoff at that number in comparison to what the real requirement is um that's still going to create a massive shortfall based on our you know, amount of people that are immigrating into the GTA market. You'll never build them. We're, we're, we're building somewhere between thirteen and 18,000 condos in Toronto in the entire GTA. Right. One of the candidates for mayor of, Mark of Toronto is saying they're going to build 20,000 over the last 20,000 a year over the next five years. You can't. Who's going to build them? We have a hard time building what we have. Right. So if you're going to stop the entire condo market and put every person onto building affordable housing, that's fine. But who's going to pay for them? Well, this this is the thing. I mean, you know, you and I have talked about obviously the government sector of things, and obviously we don't want them building it. I mean, they can't even manage their own stuff. So then we've got to take a look at you know the private aspect of things, and even at that. Even at 18,000 units, we are still not going to meet the the demand. And if you and I take a look at the, you know, the future of the next 10 years, you know, there's going to be more than a million people immigrating into the GTA over the next 10 years. And yet, if, if we're lucky, if we're lucky, and people can fight the red tape, fight the financing, everything else, maybe you introduce 150,000 units, um, we've got a shortage, no matter what. So how do we get around this? The province has to come and streamline the process and take out that red tape. Ten years ago, we used to say 18 months for approval. Today, we're saying three years. That goes just straight off the bottom line and cost to the consumer. So all this extra red tape along with the development charges and the other forms of taxes goes on the price of the condo. We can't get as many through the pipe, so the prices are going up. Yeah, and the government keeps not doing anything with the money. Um, anyways, <laughs> um, a article uh, in uh, in one of the uh, one of the posts: government should keep mitts off commercial real estate. Uh, is the government, you know, starting to try to gather up more commercial real estate? Are they trying to get more involved in it? I think it depends where. We've seen some of the municipalities get active and want to buy land for themselves to get active in commercial real estate to somewhat control it. Should the government be involved in it? It really depends where. And I can't say absolutely not because there are municipalities that don't have a strong development community looking for those industrial tenants. In those municipalities, sure, the city should get involved. But for the most part, they shouldn't compete against the local and private development community. Would it be smarter for the government to become more a tenant 
than an owner and let the private companies go out, uh, develop the land, build it out and rent lease, you know, a couple floors to them and then let other companies also lease. Would it be smarter to do that instead of them housing their own little buildings and not allowing any of the public access to it? I think it depends on the tenancy. If you're a straightforward office user, yes, because you have that flexibility to grow and contract. If it's something specific, like a heavy equipment situation or something that they can never move, some type of public works yard, sure. then they should own. Right. But only in that circumstance. For sure, you're right. We'll run buildings a lot better than an institutional type of user. Right. Take a look at your crystal ball. Next five years, are we going to see, you know, are we going to see some red tape gone? Are we going to see more more units coming to market? Because again, the concern and a lot of pressure right now on uh, first time home buyers, they're struggling. You know, there's that middle ground too. There's not a whole lot for people to move up to, uh, which normally used to be semi detached townhomes. You know, there's not as much development going on there. You know, they, they seem to. You know, builders are looking at the efficiencies now and saying, listen, you know what? It's better for us to build you know more condominiums than it is to sprawl. You know, we're watching some of the outer markets push out a little bit further. Um, what what does Mike Chesowski's crystal ball look like? Uh, I'd like the feds to remove that stress test, lighten up on it. And uh, I believe that Mr. Ford will do what he said. I think he'll bring back some form of OMB, and I think he'll remove the foreign buyer's tax. Yeah, that's... He'll cut some red tape. You think, you think the foreign buyer tax is going to go by the wayside? I think at least decreased. Right. Because it, there's no... We sat down with one of the large condo developers and we said, okay, you know, foreign buyer's tax, how is it affecting you? He says, it won't. He says, out of the last 2,000 units, we had eight or nine people that didn't have Canadian SIN numbers. Right. So they're not foreign buyers. Sure, they're new immigrants, but they're Canadians. Sure. But people walk into a sales center and they automatically think people from overseas are buying these units. They're not. Right. So Mr. Ford will do it. I sat in one meeting with him that he was the reasonable politician at the table, and he stopped waste. He says he's going to, and I believe he will. And I've encountered him doing it directly. Yeah. Well, listen, I, uh, for you to use the word reasonable and politician all in the same sentence, um, it, that's amazing. You know, um, I really do hope that Mr. Ford is able to do some of the things that, uh, that he has mentioned because, again, you know, we're, we're kind of in an odd market. You know, um, prices are kind of fluctuating. We're kind of rebounding a little out of the sting from last year. But at the same time, you know, as you said, inventory. We need inventory no matter what. I think that has been one of the conversations you and I have had for the last couple of years that we've been we've been discussing this. So, uh, Mike, listen, always a pleasure having you on. Um, now, I know that, uh, you know, CBRE uh, has great training programs. If somebody is thinking of being a commercial realtor, what is the best way for them to reach you? Go to the website, yep. uh, cbre.com. Uh, any jobs uh, will be posted there. So whatever you're looking for, uh, you can call me directly on my direct line. Just Google a last name. You'll yep. find it. Excellent. And uh, uh, I'll direct you to the right place. Excellent. Well, listen, always a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Folks, that was Mike Chesowski from CBRE. Um, I also want to thank Tim Hunak for joining me today. Great to have Tim on. 
And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I think that we're, you know, we're in the fall market here. Uh, we got to keep our eyes on the number. November and December, I think, will be the telltale. We're going we're gonna to come up short, by the way, from the last couple of years as far as sales. You know, right now we're forecasting probably about 82,000, 83,000 transactions. It's a far cry from uh, last year and the year before. But we'll wait and see. And, of course, the best place for you to find that out is right here at Simply Real Estate. And remember, I'm back Saturday at 3 p.m. I want to thank Andre and Ian. They always make it simple for me. And I want to thank you for joining me. And uh, I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.